This is Growing Your Successful Business, the podcast for you, the entrepreneur, to learn valuable lessons from the experiences of fellow business owners sharing the secrets of their success and the critical lessons they have learned along the way, as well as experts giving their advice on how to navigate the pitfalls in their industry to help you better run your business. Here's your host, Brian Harding. Hey now, and good day. Thanks for stopping by to check out our little podcast again. Uh, just want to remind you not to be afraid to subscribe, share, rate, review, all that good stuff. Uh, and I'll remind you also that you can reach me at brian at brianlharding.com, or you can see all of our stuff on growingyoursuccessfulbusiness.com or brianlharding.com. Today, I'm more excited than I've been in quite a while. Um, uh, I got Chuck Swigert with us uh, today, and Chuck and I scheduled this about six weeks ago, I about think. About six weeks ago. Right? Um, and this is one I've been looking forward to uh, for, for a long time. Chuck's going to talk about not only his business stuff, but also get into... Um, different karate values and principles and things like that 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 uh, I think will help a lot of us on goal setting, mental toughness, uh, just getting things done, and all that stuff that we all wish we, wish we were better at. Uh, so before we get into all that stuff, let me just tell you, uh, Chuck's with the Lakewood Dojo, right? That's what it's called? It's the Washington Karate Lakewood Dojo. Washington Karate Lakewood Dojo, perfect. Uh, they opened in October 1995, and they're now one of the most renowned schools across the country. Chuck was just telling me about the number of students that they've had go to championships and things like that, uh, and it's it's pretty uh, pretty awesome to hear about the success they've had as far as uh, producing quality you know students that do really well and and some other things. Um, dedicated to individual excellence is kind of your motto, right? Absolutely, everyone's a, a, a unique individual, and uh, and they all have different strengths and different weaknesses, and and uh, our goal is to take everyone uh, for who they are and uh, get them to accomplish the goals that they have. Right. Um, and for you, uh, we'll do kind of a quick background on your story. So your father's from Germany and your mom's from Japan. Your dad was in a military, he was a military policeman and he died when you were nine years old. Um, how was that for you? I mean, how, how did you, how did you react to that? Were you, were you understanding? Were you pissed? Were you, uh, what were you? I was too young to really understand anything. I think, um, anyone that loses a parent at that age, uh, it affects them. I mean, it even affects me today, you know, the way I am, the way I, uh, compartmentalize things, uh, the, the way I express emotions. It's, uh, it's a little bit different, I think, than someone that's had their, both their parents or one parent for their whole life. Right. Right. So it greatly affected me. Right. And you grew up in the Tacoma area, went to Lakes High School, graduated in 1977. You had eight varsity letters in high school in three different sports. That's pretty cool. That's, that was pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So, you, <laughs> so you've been into athletic stuff all your life. It sounds like. Uh, All-State Baseball, 1977. You had multiple baseball scholarship offers, and you went to Fort Silicon Community College from 78 to 79 before you got into karate in 1981. And then next thing you know, boom, I don't know how many years later, but you're a three-time national karate champion. So how, how long from the time you got into 81 until you could say you were a three-time national champion? Uh, so uh, my, my first uh, national championship was 1995. Okay, so you're 14 years or so in. Right, and uh, so once going back on my uh, athletic career, um, and going back to my father passing away, I, I didn't have a, I didn't have a male role model in my life, which greatly affected decisions that I'd made. Sure. And so a lot of a lot of uh, the things that I happened to accomplish were later, because uh, I didn't have someone saying, "Hey, get your hair cut." Or hey, you know, you need to you need to apply yourself here or that. And my mother, being from Japan, was a very uh, 
you know, three meals a day, washed all my clothes, you know, my bed was made. So I didn't have the discipline when I was younger. Yeah. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't pursue, uh, with a lot of, uh, persistence, the opportunities that were available for me. Right. Because of a lack of a male role model in my life. Right. So, um, interestingly, I, you know, I, my own story is kind of similar to that. I, I didn't lose a parent to, to death, but I didn't have a, a, a super involved father, uh, right. you know, when I was, when I was growing up from, you know, early or pretty early age. Um, and while I learned a ton of stuff from my mom, great work ethic, uh, just, you know, and, and just a all around good person and, and taught me a lot of great things. Right. I still found myself see, searching for that male role model. And I, and I, I found some good ones. <laughs> I found some not so good ones. Right. And lucky for me, when I hit my early to mid twenties, I really locked into a few that, that really, um, you know, help me propel forward in a, in a positive direction. There you go. So, so this, this, a lot of this stuff was, was searching for you in, in, uh, trying to just find a, a good rail, um, male role model to find. I, that's one of the biggest things that was lacking in my life and I, I didn't realize it, but, uh, the result of not having that was, uh, you could, uh, describe it as a lack of discipline yeah, or, uh, or a lack of, uh, uh, harnessing my, the, the things that I had available in my life. Right. And uh, it took me until, you know, well into my 30s before I realized that. Yeah. And um, and so the importance of a, a male role model or a mentor is, is just crucial, as, as any any successful person will tell you. Yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely we'll get in some more uh, talk about the mentors later on. But uh, for anybody who's listened to this any number of times knows I'm a I'm a huge believer in mentors. Um, so after you after you kind of uh conquer the karate world as a, as a participant, then you kind of shift gears and you get into refereeing, right? That happens in the late nineties. Right. So, um, we opened the dojo in 1995. Um, and it was something that I always wanted to do. Uh, I used to drive home, uh, to visit my parents in Lakewood. And, uh, there was this little, little strip mall on the side. And, and I always thought, man, that'd be a really cool place for a, for a karate school, mm-hmm. but it was always occupied. And then one day it was vacant. And, um, so I, I asked my, my karate instructor to come down and take a look. And, uh, he told me that it wouldn't be his first choice, but I knew it would work. <laughs> right. I knew it would work. I, I knew the, I knew the location. I grew up there. I wanted to be in Lakewood and my wife and I decided, uh, you know, this is something we're going to do. And, um, we jumped in. We jumped in with a hundred percent of everything, every fiber of our of our souls, you know. Yeah, and uh, that's kind of how it started. So one of the things that's really compelling about your story in the in the business world is, you find this place, and it's not the first choice for your instructor, and you, I'm sure you have a million doubts, but you literally did just jump in with everything you had. You didn't have the money to afford it, and you still work in a full time job, and so you find yourself working a full-time job at night, getting a couple hours of sleep when you can here and there and teaching through the day. So t- take us through that first, you know, couple months where as you're deciding to do this and all the, yeah. you know, the conversations where you're talking yourself out of it, no, no doubt. Well, uh, it's, it's really interesting. I don't know if I could do it again, uh, you know, <laughs> right. honestly, I, yeah. mean, I don't know how we did it. Right. Uh, you know, so, uh, I was working a full-time job, um, up in Seattle and, uh, it was a company called Consolidated Freightways. Um, I, I had the opportunity to work graveyard. I had the choice of, of working graveyard. So I worked from 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. Right. Then I'd get out, get off work. I'd go pick up my kids, take them to school. Then I'd go to the dojo and sleep for two hours. And then I'd wake up, teach a class at noon, 
And then after that, go pick up my kids from school, come back to the dojo, teach three or four classes, sleep for two hours, and go back to work. Right. I did that for six years. Yeah. And a lot of people that, you know, have businesses or have the aspiration to open a business or uh, they, they're, the successful ones do whatever it takes. Right. And, and then later on, they can look back and, and other people don't, they don't realize the, the work that you have to do. And, and the, the ones that aren't successful are the ones that are, you know, making excuses or, hey, I'm not, I'm not willing to do that. Right. And, and it has a direct correlation on, on whether they're a success or not, I believe. Yeah. And, and for those of you listening, if you know somebody who wants to start a business, tell them to listen to this. <laughs> this, this is what it's really like. I mean, so people start a business because they, they want to have the fancy house and the fancy cars and the, the kids in private school or whatever, whatever their version of success looks like financially. Um, but they want to skip all this part to get you there. They want to skip the six hour or six, six years of getting four hours of sleep a day and, and working a full-time job and running your business. That's, that's the part that everyone wants to gloss over. Absolutely. And, and, uh, it's, it's so important to, to understand that if, you know, especially if you want to open your own business, um, working for someone else is something that, um, I was never a big fan of. Right. Um, finding a business that, uh, I was able to have a tremendous amount of passion for, and uh, that that's completely different because you know it was it wasn't hard to go all in, right? Um, um, it was hard, the work was hard, yeah, and uh, and the learning along the way was hard. We we went through a lot of uh, very challenging times, but now now you know you can look back and you can say hey, and everybody says wow you're so successful and hey, you know it was not like that at right. the beginning, for right? Sure, yeah. And again, it's it you and you can't explain that to somebody. You can you can tell the story like we're doing now, where you look back, you know, twenty five years ago or whatever it's been now, and you can you can say, here's what it was like. But you can't feel the angst. You can't feel the worry of how you're going to pay your bills, and you can't feel the, the the constant uh, fear of failure. And exactly, and you, you just you can't impose those feelings on somebody as you're telling a story about this stuff. Right, and a lot of people will shy away from from uh, jumping all in because of the risk. Right, you know, um, for us. Uh, we, it was never a risk. It was just something that we were going to do and we were going to be successful. We signed a five-year lease with zero income, <laughs> zero income. <laughs> who, who was the guy that signed that lease on the other end? I want to, I want to meet that guy. Well, uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> so, so that's crazy, isn't it? Yes. So we had to negotiate a, a you know, a pretty good deal to, to allow us to get on our feet. But, but at the end of the day, that's, that's what we did. Right. Right. You know, and for, for us in, in our going through our stuff, we have similar things where, you know, we didn't sign a five year lease with no income, but we had similar kind of uh, things that happened that you look back and you're like, that shouldn't have happened. There's no way that that should have happened. And we just kind of began telling ourselves this is all happening for a reason. You know, they're, you know, call it fate, call it whatever you will, but um, we're, we're working our asses off here. We're getting this thing done. Um, karma's kind of helping us along and we're finding some luck along the way and we're finding some good fortune that we we just shouldn't have found there's a, few, a handful of things happened to us that it's like there's there's no way that should have just actually or actually happened exactly the way it needed to for right. us all to work out i don't know i don't believe that those are accidents i believe that those are things that happen for for whatever reason we we believe in but mm-hmm. um for you especially too i mean you, you know you've built such a such a a, a, a successful business you know Right. And uh, and I, I know that when I talk about the hard work and I know you understand. Yeah. Completely. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. So you're so you're working your graveyard job. You're teaching classes during the day. You're getting your two hours of sleep at night and two hours of sleep in the morning. 
and uh, and your and your wife's managing the school as you're doing all this, right? Yeah, yeah and, absolutely. And and how's that how's that worked out working with your wife for all these years? Um, she she's uh, the smartest person I ever met. Um, she's that helps. So intelligent and so just smart, and uh, she she grew up in Hungary. Okay. Um, so um, she uh, is you know she keeps me definitely on track, and uh, I I definitely have to. Uh, uh, stay on my A game, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which is great. It's one of the uh, biggest. Um, she's my biggest ally, and um, and I and I want to work hard. I I really enjoy working hard, and uh, and being in a business together. Uh, right. With her. Right. Um, and the success of the business is, uh, you know, so much, uh, it, because of her. You know. Right, and I think that for for couples who start a business together. Or couples who are one of the one of the partners is going to start a, a business. If you don't have that, not only is your business going to st- suffer, but your marriage might not survive that. that. I don't know how people do it if, when when they don't have that uh, uh, joining forces kind of mentality that you're talking about. Well, it's it's tough to go all in when you you know it's just half of the the family, you right? Know? Especially for a business, right? Um, the there there are downsides, you know, like you know we never. Uh, we never were able to eat dinner together, right? Uh, on on a weekday because sure. we're always in the school, things like that. We we talk business at eleven o'clock at night, um, you know, and that's not necessarily the the best thing, right? But it comes with it, I think. Yeah, and I think one of the, one of the things that uh, uh, kind of bothers me is as you know, we talk to folks who are um, about just running a business, and we talk. I have this conversation with folks about you know going all in and. And the kind of response is kind of, well, easy for you to say, everything worked out for you. And right. I'm like, well, everything worked out for me because I went all in. It, it didn't. It wasn't a fluke. It, we, we didn't accept failure as an option. I mean, right. And that sounds super cliche, and I, I no, hate cliche so stuff. It's so true. It's so true. But that true. was our mentality. We're going to do this. That's and yes, right. it's going to suck for a while, but we're going to do it. And and uh, uh, how do you respond when people kind of, or do people even respond to you that way? Well, what easy for you to say because now you've you've made it work. Yeah, they just look at the they just look at the success. Uh, you know, they they have no clue uh, how how we got there. And I don't know. I don't want to say people are. Um, I don't want to say they're jealous or, or anything like that, envious or anything right, like that. Right. But um, anyone that works as hard as as I did and my wife and you. Um, you, number one, I think you're going to be successful, mm-hmm. and uh, and you deserve to be successful. Right. Yeah, I think it comes down to everybody wants the result, not everybody wants the work. Especially <laughs> in today's society, and especially with kids. Yeah. Especially with kids, that's what I deal with every day. Yeah, and I can't. We're going to get to. I can't wait to get into into yeah. that. Um, so then, in 2006, you you purchase your own building and you do all the TI work yourself. Um, you're you, you purchased the, uh, the building with, and you were turned down by four banks to get the financing. Um, but again, you just, you kept plugging, you kept going and you kept figuring it out. Right. Well, the, you know, uh, the, my mentors were saying, Hey, you gotta, you gotta try to, you know, purchase a building, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, I thought, okay, well maybe we should do that instead of renting. Uh, so our association was able to, uh, apply for, uh, f- uh, the loan. Uh, I went to four banks, they all turned us down. Mm-hmm. And then uh, one one uh, gentleman uh, believed in what we were doing, and um, I went through a lot of hoops and a lot of steps to you know business plan and right. and all that. I, I was talk, uh, contemplating a uh, an SBA loan, but we declined that, mm-hmm. um, and we were able to get the funding. Right, and and the project went 
went ahead and, and we've been there for now, I think, 13, 14 years. Nice. That's fantastic. So tell, tell me about this. You know, so you're, you're dealing with a, um, not only a teaching a, f- a physical skill, but it's also a mental uh, ability you're teaching as well. And I kind of imagine, especially like you're talking about kids these days, and you know, this been this conversation's happened for three thousand years, where this generation is going to be the ruination of mankind, and they, you know, they have no dis- discipline, they have no respect for their elders. Um, and I get all that. I get we've been saying that for three thousand years, but we're still here, and it still is changing. And in many people's opinion, including mine, not for the better as far as uh, discipline, accountability, you know, uh, um, uh, just. Uh, uh, a deference to the opinion of somebody else, you know, in, in cases. So you're teaching this skill to children, but their parents might not even buy into it. So how do you, how do you overcome that in, in your, that would be the most frustrating part of what you do for me is trying to instill into a child what the parent doesn't even think is valuable. Uh, that's something that, that I deal with every day, Yeah, you know, and it, it is one of the most frustrating things because for me, uh, you know, from with my kids, when I took them to, uh, a guitar lesson or when I took them to a ballet lesson before I did that, I made sure that, you know, I'm going to invest this money and time and this is my child. Right. So I want them to get the best, uh, that that's available. Right. Period. Um, and today, um, we run into situations more frequently than I would hope for where, uh, the only thing is, well, how, uh, this place is more inexpensive or, um, or, um, they, they don't realize the quality of, of what their child, of what our school represents. Right. And they don't care. How, how much of it is, is, uh, again, I I don't know this. I'm just asking because I, I can kind of picture happening this way. How much of it is is parents sign their kids up for this because they want a babysitter for a couple hours and they don't understand what they're really getting into as far as this is a philosophical way of life. This is, this is like a, um, a real deal. This is a real deal. This isn't go playing on, on, on a jump house for two hours. Right. Exactly. So usually we, we have an interview with the, with the parents and the child Good. and, um, uh, there, there are some that just want to come one day a week or maybe two days a week. Mm-hmm. And so we refer them out to, you know, the YMCA, or something, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. because that's not what we're about. And, and my whole thing is for the benefit of the child. Mm-hmm. What's going to benefit that kid? How am I going to help that kid to become stronger mentally, physically? Right. Uh, and and you can't you can't do it one time a week, right? Or two times a week. It's going to take more than that, right? So I'd rather have the, the 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 families that understand that be in our school, and the ones that don't want that, it's it's fine. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 that's I'm, I'm I'm glad to hear that you have an answer for that because. Just knowing what you do, uh, my first thought was I would I would I would just be frustrated every day dealing with these parents. <laughs> uh, it, it it can be frustrating, but on the other hand, there are the we have so many parents that are that are absolutely a hundred percent committed to their child and what we're doing for the for the child and the family, and uh, they trust uh, they trust us a hundred percent. Nice. And and those are the ones that uh, they stay, you know, uh, I have kids from, uh, they, they start at four years old right? and they stay with me till they graduate from high school. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah. Um, one of the other things you mentioned that you're, you're pretty happy with is, is, um, becoming a real expert in your field. And you say you've always strived and still do to be ab- absolute expert in authority in your field. So t- talk to us about that. What does that mean for you? Well, I think, uh, first of all, you, you have to want to be an expert. You know, you have to want to be the go-to person, and you have to study a lot. 
you have to be, uh, you have to have a tremendous amount of integrity mm. and, uh, and, and you have to understand that the learning process never stops. You're always learning. I learn, I learn more from like five-year-old kids every day than I learn, you know. Right. Um, but there's also a lot of studying that, that happened along the way. There's also a lot of, um, uh, I guess, uh, reputation, um, building, you mm-hmm. know, people have to, you know, it's, I, I'm sure in your business, like for me, I know if I need a, a, a certain trade, uh, uh, of a person, you know, I'm, I'm going to, well, I'm going to call Brian Hardy. Right. I just know that I know because of the way you are, the, the, mm-hmm. the experience that you have, the, the, the type of customer service that you provide. I could call a, you know, like, like a, a cheaper place. Sure. Right. But, but you know, what are you going to get? Right. So for me, especially, um, in karate, I think it's so many years of, of, um, of committed, uh, training, uh, mentally and physically for, for kids for so long that, you know, it's just that if you, I, I hope that if you, uh, talk to someone on the street and they say, Hey, I'm looking for a a reputable karate school, I hope they would say, hey, you know, take your kid over here to Lakewood Dojo. Right. No, I would, I would hope so as well. Um, and you mentioned customer service. How does how do you provide good customer service in your world? Well, I think uh, for me, uh, you know, our, our motto is dedicated to individual excellence. So for me, uh, every class, I, I make sure that every single person in that class gets the workout or gets the benefit or knowledge that they came into that class for every single day. So I try my best to call every person by their name. I could have a class of 45 people. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call everybody by their first name during that class. I'm going to uh, engage with them, and uh, I'm going to uh, uh, treat them as an individual, not just as a whole class. Um, right. And so that the, the physical part, uh, the class part is, is very important. After class, I'm in the lobby. I'm, I'm engaging with people. I'm, um, every kid that leaves, you know, we, we bow to each other and I say, Hey, good job today. Nice. Every single day. That's what I'm doing. Parents come in. I'm, I make sure that, um, you know, I tell them, uh, Hey, you know, your son did a great job today or, or, or not. Um, but it's that, um, it's that customer service that, that every family uh, understands that I'm doing my absolute best a hundred, hundred percent every day for the betterment of that student. And one of the things I hear you say over and over and again, you just did it uh, over and over again is your focus is on the kid or the student. Your focus is not on so much the parent and what they, what they wish you were doing. Your, your focus is on what's going to make this kid a better person today. And, and yeah, you know, I hear you say that over and over again. It's so true though, because over the years I've learned that you can't change a a family dynamic. You know, you can't change what, uh, what happens uh, uh, outside the school. Right. Uh, We have no control over that whether the kid is cleaning his room or not or right. or what, what what they're doing as a family or, or maybe they don't have a family. I don't know. I, we have a lot of broken families. So what I try to do is instill the best I can for that child during that hour and a half that they're there so that they can go home and face these challenges that they have in their life uh, in a more uh, positive way. Right. That's awesome. So let's talk about some of the, the stuff that, that uh, I was really hoping to get to here and the reason I was really excited to have you on. Um, so one of the things you say is there's no such thing as failure. So talk to us about that. So I think, uh, kids are, and and adults too, we're afraid. We're afraid to fail. We're afraid to lose. Every one of us, when we're young, we, you know, we were playing Monopoly and we lose, we, we, you know, we throw a tantrum. Right, right, right. right. Everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm usually the first one to teach a kid 
that you're, there's no such thing as losing. There's no such thing as losing in my school. You either win or you learn. That's it. Right. And I learned that's not me. That's I learned that from a mentor. Right. Um, but it's so true. And then once these, once they learn that you mean, I, what do you mean I can't lose? I, I'm not going to lose. No, you can't lose. No matter what happens, you're just going to keep learning, and then one day you'll win. Right. It changes everything. Yeah. I remember um, uh, my, my son did uh, judo for a few years, and, and he was, you know, he was good at it. You know, it, I wish he would have done longer. He, you know, like most kids, he, he found girls, and that was, <laughs> that was kind of the end of that, you know. Um, but he was, and I remember one time we went to uh, Mercer Island, and he had a, a, a tournament there, and and there was there was they were missing a kid in a certain weight class. So they kind of combined weight classes to to fill you know so everybody had something to do basically. And he was like the smallest end of his weight class, and the kid he had to go against was like the biggest end of his weight class. So there's like a twenty pound difference or something right. like that, which doesn't seem like a lot as an adult, but as a kid, I mean, he was you know ten or whatever he was, eleven maybe, and uh, and of course the kid just thrashed him right. Yeah. <laughs> he loses like forty seconds or something like that, and he's just balling, you know. And uh, um, I, I had a conversation with him and say, "Listen, this, this isn't. There's nothing bad happened here. You know, that you're, right. you're you're learning this. This is the whole point is to learn how to get better and things like that. And you can't learn if you're winning every single time. Exactly. And uh, of course, he didn't have he didn't want to hear anything I had to say. But and the, but the but the best part for me was um, he was in a similar situation, um, and it might have even been the same kid that he was up against. You know, fast forward six months." And uh, and he went out and he and he didn't want anything to do with it. He was crying in the hallway of the school that we were at, and he didn't want to go and he didn't want to do it. And he was, he was I'm quitting and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I I just kept reminding him, listen, the, the whole point here is you're here to learn, and uh, you you can't learn if you win every time. And I just kept saying that to him, kind of over and over in different words and things like that. And uh, and he went out there and he beat that kid. And I was just like, wow, that's, see, that's awesome. So this is exactly, this is the whole point of everything that I do. Okay. Let me ask you this. What would have happened if he didn't, uh, go against that kid that day and he never re he never experienced that, that victory. Right. See? Yeah. So that was life changing. Yeah. That's a life changing thing. And, and so you have to put yourself out there, uh, in circumstances which may be daunting or, or, or contain a lot of fear. And with the understanding that you, there's no losing, right? Because if if it's like, hey, I might lose, then they're they're gonna they're not gonna do it. That's the same experience as your son, but on the other hand, he had the perseverance to to keep going, and then he experienced that victory. Yeah. Well, the other thing he had was a dad who wouldn't give him an out. Well, there you go, <laughs> and that's where that's where uh, parents come in, you right. know. And and kudos to you for doing that because a lot of parents would say, you know what? You don't like it. Yeah. You don't want to go today. Forget it. I'm not going to take you to something you don't want to do. Right. Because here's another thing. Kids, they don't have the verbiage to say that, you know what? Uh, karate class is going to be really hard today. Right. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, I don't know how to get myself up for the class. I don't have the words to say it. The only thing they say is I don't like it. Right. And that's what they, that's what comes out of their mouths. We as parents have to understand that. No, no, no. Hey, that's not what it is, you know, and the ones that, that persevere like you, the ones that believe in the, in the, in, in the art that you're taking them to, um, you just keep going, you keep going and pretty soon you start yeah. achieving victories. So like I said, ultimately he did end up giving up the sport and you know, that's fine. I, I wish he wouldn't have, but it, you know, you can only force a kid to do something for so long for us, you know what? So 
it wasn't so much that I wouldn't let him um, give the support of. I was fine with that. If that's if he really didn't like it or whatever, and, and, and that's fine. In that moment, though, I was not going to allow him to quit in that moment. It was it was that particular day, that particular experience I wanted right. him to have. It wasn't the bigger, grander thing that I was thinking of. And um, so, yeah, for folks listening, I want them to understand I'm not I'm not being a hypocrite here. Yeah, my, my, he, he did for, he did for another year or two after that, and then right. he kind of gave it up. But um, in that moment, though, I I thought that was a critical thing for him. And, and, and when you say things like um, kids don't have the verbiage to say anything except for I don't like it, I don't know that everybody grows out of that. I don't know that I grow out of that. There's times where I might not want to say what my real problem is, and I'm just going to say I don't like something. Absolutely. And, and uh, um, it's critical for us who are running businesses and, and managing people and managing customers and managing parents, especially. Yeah. It's under, it's critical, I think, to understand that that is a thing that we have to kind of work through. Is, Absolutely. Okay, uh, sure. and, and then begin the questions. Okay, you don't like it. Got it. Why don't you like it? What is it you don't like about it? And if you begin asking those those kind of why questions, you know, and then why well, don't like it because it's, you know, it's, it's hard. Yeah, okay, well. Guess what? Life's hard. That's, right. that's why we're here. Right. right? Exactly. That's, that's the whole point of this thing is to, yeah. is to prepare you for these things. But I'm glad I'm glad your your son um, uh, had that victory. Yeah. Because those are things that that carry you through your life. You right. Know? Those are things I maybe still talks about it today. I don't know. No. No. It, no. But it's there. I mean, you, you, yeah. you, I know it's there. Um, and the other th- the other thing with this is is you were you talked about so we win or we learn. There's no such thing as failure. Um, but continuing to try and, and having those victories when they come, and they may not come for a long time, but that's how you develop grit, right? Absolutely. So I could tell you a bunch of stories, you know, about uh, success stories. I, I'll tell you one. I had a, I had a boy that um, the parents uh, uh, brought, brought him in. He, he was uh, very clumsy, okay, he's four years old, clumsy, mm-hmm. um, had a speech impediment, um, wore really thick glasses, you know, just right. a clumsy, awkward kid. Yep. Uh, started training with me. Um, grandmother brought him because the parents were working. The grandmother brought him in three, four times a week, every single week. Right. That was it. There was no negotiation. Well, I don't want to go to it. Well, there was nothing. Kid was there. And so uh, I worked with that kid uh, so hard for so many years. And then, you know, of course, I said, look, I want you to do a karate tournament. So he went, he got it creamed, you know, he yeah. got, and uh, was discouraged. And, but, you know, okay, we just have to learn this and learn that. Kept mm-hmm. going, kept going. Um, kid never won anything, right? Mm-hmm. But just did it because he trusted me. Right. And uh, when he turned 11, the light switch went on. Really? And he started creaming everybody. He started winning medal after medal after medal. Okay. Then he was tw- when he was twelve, he made the junior national team. Uh, Fourteen, he's the number one fighter uh, in the country. Fourteen, wow. fifteen. Wow. Right. So uh, was on the national team, competed at the you know Pan American Championships, um, because I you know because he stuck with it. Right. You know? And um, and uh, that's one success story. You know, mm-hmm. you never know when that light switch is going to turn on. Right. You know, every day I wait. I'm I'm waiting for kids. You know. And you just keep working with them, and then one day, something changes, and you know they're going to be okay for the rest of their life. Right, that that's a fantastic story because that is applicable to everything in life. Absolutely, it has nothing to do with what the, what you're doing, the task you're doing. It has nothing to do with that. It, that is how it works. So it, it, you know, you talk about you know, or there's you know the term overnight success in Hollywood and no things such like that. thing. We know, and that. these are people who just work their butts off and work their butts off, work their butts off, and all of a sudden, I don't know what it is. I don't know what force of nature it is. But that's exactly how it works. Where all of a sudden it all just comes together, 
and boom, you're off and you're off and running. That's it. That's it. And then um, there's, you know, that's one aspect of it. The other aspect of, of what we do is, uh, you know, we, uh, we want kids to um, earn a black belt. Right. And so the, uh, in, in our school, in our system, um, you have to be 14. That's a junior black belt. You can't mm-hmm. get a certified black belt till you're 18. Okay. Okay. So that says a lot. Right. right there, because a lot of parents know that they take their kids to other schools and they get a black you know, belt three eight, weeks, yeah, eight, eight years old, second degree black belt. You know, <laughs> right. I've had them come to my school. Right. Oh yeah, we want to, we want to, you know, we want to leave this place. We want to come to your school. Um, my son is a, a second degree black belt. He's nine years old, and uh, okay, mm-hmm. well, it's just that doesn't work like that. Right. <laughs> There's a maturity. It's it's very dangerous for a child. To say that, you know, to, oh, they're your black belt at nine years old. That's very dangerous. Right. And uh, I think it's, um, it's, it's, uh, it's not something that, uh, you know, th- they haven't lived on the planet long enough to understand what being a black belt is. Yeah. And I think that's one of the core principles about what you're doing that I really admire is, is teaching people there's, there's a pace at which you get to decide things. Absolutely. And the 14 the year old doesn't get to supersede the 70 year old. Uh, just because they want it to be that way. There's, Absolutely. There's, there's some deference there that I, I, sure. I really appreciate that. So, and one of the other things that you you, you help folks do, um, kids and adults, I'm guessing, is helping folks com- get completely out of what we call nowadays, we call it the comfort zone. Um, and and you talk about how when this is done properly, it develops some unshakable confidence. So talk, talk about that. How do, you, how do you achieve that? So um, we, we all grow up, uh, for example, in, in the classroom. Let's say we're in school, we're mm-hmm. in the classroom, and right. the teacher asks a question, okay? And uh, only two people raise their hand because they're the only ones that know the answer. Right. The other ones don't raise their hand because they're afraid. Right. They're afraid either they don't know the answer or they might be wrong. Yeah, and they're going to look stupid. We're, that's all, look stupid. That's ultimately, that's all we're always worried right? about. Right, and, they're, and they're worried right? about that. Yeah. Okay, so there you go. That's the classroom. Mm-hmm. Some kids never raise their hand, mm-hmm. and then they get they don't get an A, Right. So to me, there's a flaw in that system. There's a flaw. So in my class, I don't ask anybody to do anything they don't know how to do. Nice. Okay? So I know that's what I mean. Everybody's an individual. So if someone doesn't know uh, a certain technique or they don't know the answer to a question, I don't ask them. Nice. Okay? So um, and then what happens is the ones that, there, nobody's afraid. Nobody's afraid to, to raise their hand or, you know, or the ones that raise their hand, they know the answer. Mm-hmm. So I call on them uh, or, or uh, I'll, I'll have a kid come up and demonstrate a technique in front of the whole class. Right. But I know they know that technique really well. Right. So that constant enforcement, uh, reinforcement of, of confidence uh, is so empowering for that child. You know, mom, I, I got in front of the class today and I did this technique and yeah. everybody was watching and, you know, the sensei said, wow, that's perfect. That's, you know, right. Right. And so uh, the interaction of that in a classroom situation is so, uh, it builds so much. Uh, uh, it's like a momentum of confidence, you know, I can do that. Yeah. I, you know, I, I know I can do that. So, so what happens is I'll ask kids to come and demonstrate when, when they know how to do it. I mm-hmm. call them up. I say, do that. And they do it. So, right. Uh, or, or, um, at the end of a, a class, usually we bring people up one by, or like three or four at a time and they, they demonstrate certain techniques. Yeah. And, and, uh, it's just so empowering. What, what do you do? What do you do with the, the, the students? I'll quit saying kids because I'm sure you have adult mm-hmm. students as well. What do you do with the students who know it, 
but they don't have a confident the confidence to display it. Well, then they don't know it. They, okay, so you so if they if they can't display it, then they don't know it. Right. Gotcha. Yeah, and we just keep doing the repetitions in a classroom situation. We just keep doing it over and over and over until they know it. Right. Yeah. Nice. Um, you also mentioned that posture is everything. I, and I again, this is one of those things I I really believe this. I mean, I think the, just the way you carry yourself is eighty percent of it. <laughs> yeah. Just in, in life. I, I, mean, I, it, I think it's more than eighty percent myself. I, yeah. I really believe that. Um, for example, when you when um, like for, for, for us now, as an example, when I say posture, posture means a lot. Posture means a lot of different things, how you stand, right? right? Uh, what's the first impression of, uh, you know, when someone sees you, are you going to be standing tall and confident? Or are you going to be, you know, wilted over, right. you know, posture? We talk about that in, in karate a lot. Also, if you don't have good posture, you don't have balance right. in karate. And you think about that in a personal in a, or in a business sense. Yeah. Right. You're off yeah. balance. Right. You're, you're the, you know, the balance sheet is, you know, tilting to one yeah. side or whatever. You right. Know? Um, but in, in, in life, um, uh, posture um, or in business. Okay. For example, someone comes into my school today and they say, well, you know, I'm thinking about um, enrolling my son, but we only want to come once a week. Okay. If it was 24 years ago, I'd say fine. Right. No problem. Yeah. You know, uh, come on in. It's this much, and yeah, yeah. we're happy to we have it. We need the money. Yeah, come we on need in. the money. <laughs> Today, it's like, well, I don't think that that's, you know, uh, you know going to work. And they're, and they're shocked. Right. And so, or, uh, I'm sorry, our classes are full right now. Right. But if you want, we'll put you on a waiting list, and yeah. I'll give you a call when we have an opening. Right. I mean, Think about that. Yeah. That's posture. Right. Okay. So, so then a week later I call and I say, yeah, we have an opening in our class. Would you like to enroll your son? Absolutely. So right. that's posture. Right. In a business standpoint. Sure. And just, and just the way you walk around and carry yourself, you know, the way, the way you choose to present yourself to the world says a lot about how you present yourself to yourself. Absolutely. Right? And, and, and we'll get into this in a second here. You talked about being the expert and, and, uh, um, we're not saying to be an egomaniac walking around like you know everything. There's there's a balance to this, right? Absolutely. The, 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 the understanding, the balance that you have to have between um, being a student of life and a student of business and student of whatever and being an expert, um, kind of walking that tightrope is is kind of the key, right? Absolutely. And, and to me, you know, the, the biggest obstacle uh, uh, on that topic is ego. You know, some people have really big egos. Right. And, uh, you know, now wait a second, Chuck, I'm going to back up 20, <laughs> 20 minutes ago. You said it's very important for us to be the expert in our field. So <laughs> h- how do we be the expert in our field in your mind without becoming an egomaniac? You have to be very humble. Yeah. And, and to, to me, um, my wife, uh, she always tells me, you know, introduce yourself as sensei Swigert, you know, but I say, Hey, I'm Chuck. Nice to right. meet you. <laughs> right. You know? Um, yeah. and she's right. I should. Right. But I can't. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, I, I just want, I, I don't want to people, I never want to come off as being an egomaniac or, or that I want to, I'm almost, um, thinking that I, I need to be very, very humble, mm-hmm. but, um, or, or when we're in a group situation and we meet a bunch of people, I, I just say, Hey, my name's Chuck. I don't say, Hey, I'm, I'm Sensei Swigert. Right. You call me Sensei. I'm a fifth degree black yeah, belt. Or else. No, that, I, it's not, I, I can't be that person. Right. You know, and I think it's really important. So, so let me ask you this. So in, in a karate school, of course you could teach somebody how to be humble. <laughs> you could do that pretty easily as, right. the, as the instructor. Can you do that in life? Do you think 
you, can you teach somebody who's just a complete egomaniac maniac, and, and who had an epiphany one day and said, I don't like being like this. I want to be different. Do you think you could teach him that outside of a karate school? No, <laughs> no, I, I don't think so. Or, or it would take way too much time and energy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd rather spend so my energy. I often somewhere. wonder for folks and, and I, I try to carry myself in a, in a humble manner. And, and you I, absolutely do. And too, I yeah. also try to be an expert in my field. And, I try, you are. I try to balance that as closely yeah. as I can. I wonder though, for, for folks no different than a drug addict who wishes they weren't using heroin every day, does an egomaniac wish that they weren't that way? And if so, is there a fix? It's a great question. I don't know. You know, I only I, you know there was one of my mentors said, you know, don't take that class. I mean, you know, I mean, oh, do, I, I don't know if we uh, want to go and, I mean, we could try to help everybody in every way, but, you know, some, some people have to learn, you know, their own way. They have to find their own path, yeah. you know. So I think, I think your advice here is great. Uh, posture is everything. Posture leads to balance, having the balance between being humble and being an expert in your field. I think there's all, I mean, you could you could write 12 books on how to run a business and how to conduct yourself in life just with those three philosophies in mind. I, I really I, believe I that. I think that those are the keys, absolutely. I agree with you 100%. Again, while I was so excited to have you come in. Um, and then you also mentioned everybody needs a mentor. So you, you mentioned you had a mentor when you were looking to open your first dojo. And um, how, so, of course, through your education and now teaching karate, you're, you, you can't help but find mentors. They're all around you at all the, t- all the times, right? Right. But, but how do you find a mentor who's helping you in a business sense, not in a, a sense of, of learning how to kick and stuff like that? Well, that's, that's you have to find them. You know, you <laughs> I don't know the... How? how do you find yours? Well, so I have uh, my, my karate instructor who uh, I've been with for over, well, over 30 over 35 years now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's one of the smartest people I ever met. Um, we used to butt heads all the time uh, because I was young and uh, he would say, do it like this. And I'd say, no, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> and now in my, in, at my age, I know he was, he was right almost every time. Yeah. So now we have a great relationship. You know, it's, it's, uh, he can tell me things and instead of saying no, I just, you know, I sit there and nod my head and, yeah. And, you know, just take it all in. Uh, but he, he's been right so many times, you know. Right. Um, and, of course, yeah, from a business sense, you have to have uh, uh, people around you, like a good accountant, a good attorney. Yep. Uh, you know, all those people on your team. A CPA, a banker, CPA, and, a, and, a, and an attorney. Those, those are those absolutely. Three. You yeah. know, and, and uh, people, you know, that don't have that are uh, exposing themselves. And uh, and you, you have to also, um, you know, get the full benefit of having those people around you. Right. Right. No, I agree hundred um, percent. So let's talk about the last, the last uh, couple things we have here. Uh, you mentioned some karate values um, and why don't you just go through them with us? So the first one is energy. What, what's that one? Well, energy uh, is what, all around us. What's, you know? the, what's the term for it? Well, the Chinese call it chi. Right. And Japanese call it ki. Okay. So you, everybody has a life energy um, and everybody either has the ability to use it or not uh, in a productive way. A lot, of, a lot of parents will bring their kids to me because, oh, they, he's got so much energy, which is great, but they don't know how to, doesn't know how to channel it. Right. It's all over the place, yeah. you know. So what I teach kids to do is to focus that energy. And at first, it might be for five seconds. Right. That's it. But they can, they can do it. And then you build on that, and pretty soon uh, people can focus their energy. We talk about... Um, 
um, moving our energy. Uh, a lot of chi masters or whatever in karate, it's about we we call uh, there's a there's a word called kime, which is focusing your energy. And I talk about this in a martial arts sense, but if you think about it in a business sense or in a, in a personal in your personal life mm-hmm. or um, in goal setting, if you focused a hundred percent of your energy on a specific target, think about that. Right? Do you, can you do that, or would you? Can like, I? No. Yeah. So <laughs> what if you could? What if you could? Oh man. See, so for for let's say um, I don't know. If if in your if you had a an issue that you wanted to solve and if you just concentrated everything you had on that problem or that challenge for fifteen minutes, you'd come up with a solution. Right. But uh, in 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 martial arts or in karate in particular, you focus like your whole your soul, all the energy in your body on one specific target and you release it. Right. Very powerful. So to put things in context for folks listening, driving, what, what, I mean, what, how much of your energy is put into that when you, most of us fall asleep on the way home after we do it for, I mean, is, is that 5%? Is that 20%? Help us put things in context there. If I'll give you an example. Um, uh, let's say we go to the gym. You go to the gym, you get on the treadmill. Mm-hmm. Okay. You're watching TV. You got headphones in. You're not focusing any energy anywhere. Right. You're not doing anything. You know, we're tuning out. Right. Uh, I'm talking about tuning in. I'm talking about, you know, if, if there, there's so much energy focused on one thing that if you blink, you lose the whole concentration of it. Gotcha. I think that's something that for most of us just walking around regular folks, we don't have a clue of, of what that even looks like. I don't even think we could picture it. I, I don't know if I could even picture having all my energy focused to the point where if I blinked, I, I lost it. That 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 is a completely foreign notion yeah. to me i'm i'm so, envious that you have the ability to even picture that let alone do it yeah so we have a class at six o'clock tonight right? <laughs> <Okay>. perfect <laughs> um uh, the next one you mentioned is key may and that's the focusing of the energy you talked yeah. about so that, that's what you were just describing is focusing 100 right. of injury energy right. so the first one key is just acknowledging that this thing exists is that kind it's, of the thing uh, just, key, key is energy it's, it's just, just it's just understanding yeah life key is energy so yeah. the first value it's, we're it's in our bodies mm-hmm. it's in our bodies everybody has it right Gotcha. And then the last one, um, Kihon, is that right? Kihon, yeah. Kihon is, uh, is uh, forging your energy or, or through a, a, uh, a, a series of repetitions, you, you refine your energy. Um, uh, an example is um, uh, someone's sharpening a knife. Right. And uh, you just can't, you know, uh, rub the stone on it a couple times and get it sharp. you got to constantly you know, fine tune it. It's a, it's a series of movement, very fine movement. And at the end of those repetitions, that, that knife is sharp. Right. So we always say, you know, you have to look sharp, act sharp, act sharp, feel sharp and be sharp. It's uh, kind of like that. Refining your energy uh, constantly over a long period of time. And how would you relate that to just walking around and, and, or running a business? How, How would you, how would you translate that one? In business, I'd say you got to, you know, like a mentor told me, you got to master the mundane. You know, yeah. you got to make sure that all your T's are crossed, your I's are dotted, things like that. Things that um, um, some some business owners aren't so good at, you know, or or it could be making uh, follow up phone calls, um, you know, things like that, where 
uh, it's something that it's like sharpening a knife. You just right. do it and you get better at it and better at it and better at it. Right. Yeah. Gotcha. Man, I'm really glad you came in. Thanks a lot, Chuck. And, 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 Thanks for all the nice things you said about me. Also, that was that was very uh, pleasant and unscripted, right? I didn't tell you to say any of that stuff. <laughs> um, I really appreciate you coming in. This has been a blast. Uh, how do folks find you? Lakewood Dojo. How do we get a hold of you? Is there a website and a phone number and all that? Yeah, stuff? Yeah, you can go to uh, www.lakewooddojo.com. Uh, we have a really nice website up there. We're located at 75th and Custer Road here in Lakewood. Okay. We have a beautiful uh, facility. It's absolutely beautiful. It's 5,000 square feet. Nice, clean, just yeah. a beautiful place. Um, so if anyone just wants to stop by and check it out, you know, I'm always there. Yeah, uh, right. You know, I'm teaching kids, you know, and teaching adults every day. How, how, is it, does the teaching come natural to you or do you, did you have to train yourself to become a teacher? So I had to I had to train myself or, or I had someone train me. <clears throat> so I used to I used to do um, trial lessons, you know, like people would come in. Hey, I want to try a class. So my instructor would set up all those first classes with me. I had to teach them. Um, so I did that for like three years Yeah, and, uh, you know, you have to come up with plan A, plan B, plan C until Yeah, I just, when you were, when you were talking about having, a, having a kid come in and teaching them to focus for five seconds <laughs> and I thought about the hours it would go into getting to that point, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> yeah. But, but it's always worth it because the, uh, the results are always amazing. Right. You know? yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Well, Hey, thanks again for coming in, Chuck. I really appreciate it. Uh, again, for those of you listening, uh, liquiddojo.com is where you go to find out the information. If you got a kid, um, I would definitely recommend sending him to Chuck. He's an awesome guy. Uh, definitely forget, forget the instruction he's giving at the, at the school. Just a great influence on people around him. So thanks, uh, thanks again for coming in, Chuck. Next week, we're going to have on Stephanie Prosser from Prosser Construction. She's going to talk about her contracting business. And uh, thanks again to Chuck, and thank you all for listening. And that's all for today. <laughs>